and welcome to Dream It, Dare It, Do It, Live the Life You Want. I'm Jasmine, your host, and I have my good friend Judith Johnson with me today. Hi, Judith. (laughs) Judith and I, Judith, Judith and I, we met, we met because somebody said, Judith called Jasmine (laughs) And, and then we got to work together. And I'm obedient. And so I called. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, and, and I, for, for those of you listening, Judith, Judith is a writer and amongst other things, but um, the reason why I wanted her to come today is because we, we have something in common. Yes. (laughs) This is the book, making peace with death and dying. So the, reason for those of you listening on audio she's so showing the cover of the page of the book um okay so the reason why i wanted you on uh, is because you and i have something in common and that thing is that we both took care of our moms and i think that i don't know about you but i know i grew quite a bit taking care of mom how about you it was, I would say that it was one of the most profound, it was the most profound experience of my life. And it was um, the hardest job in the world and the greatest blessing at the same time. I totally yeah. agree. I totally yeah. agree. I kind of jumped over, I kind of jumped over the intro, but uh, because I know you, I'm like, okay, well, let's get into it. But for the people who don't know you, Judith, do you want to just share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay. So, um, sure. (laughs) So in my own personal life, I've had some bits of a rocky road along the way. And it led me to really being um, kind of obsessed with understanding human consciousness because it became very clear to me, for example, when I would have trouble in a relationship with somebody else, that the problem that I was was experiencing was inside of me. It wasn't because of them. They were just triggering things. So I've become like big on understanding human consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, what, and I do a lot of counseling and, and mentoring work with people right now um, using that work in helping people to get free and raise the level of consciousness from which they live their lives. And I do that with individuals, I do it with couples, um, and I also help people around end of life issues. Um, And a lot of that revolves around this book. Um, And the book is the outgrowth of, this is my third book. My first two books have to do with the wedding ceremony. You can look them up on Amazon. the wedding ceremony planner, the essential guide to the most important part of your wedding day (laughs) and how to write meaningful wedding vows. So anyway, my mother um, and I shared a home the last nine years of her life. And on her deathbed, she grabbed my wrist and made me promise that I would write about what we learned about aging and dying in a culture that is ill at ease with that part of life. and so that's that's what this book is about. It took me 15 years to write it and get it out there into the world. So I feel really good to have it out. It came out in March. Um, but what Jasmine was referring to is that we both had the shared experience of being there with our mothers um, as primary caregivers 
for the end periods of their lives. And in my case, it was her last nine years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was difficult to, it, like you said, it was a difficult time to, to take care of mom and mom didn't want to talk about death. Mom was literally afraid of death. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, if for the animals, you know, because we were animal lovers. So I remember the animals, it was a big thing. Like she would, she would really get frantic around death. Um, she didn't like to go to funerals. She, you know, so in my family, we didn't really talk about it. We just didn't talk about that kind of thing. And, and honestly, I th thought that, you know, I wouldn't be able to be around it, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and you know, before I took care of my, my mom, I took care of my dog. I took care of a dog. He was 14 and a half when he left. And I remember, you know, I think, but I think he was eight and people started telling me I should put him down. And I was like, what do you like? He had, he still had like nearly seven years to go, you know, but I took care of him, you know, and and I was with him. It was the first pet that I'd, I'd been with him at, on the day of his death. And I stayed with him when I, I had him put down because it was just like time. I knew it was time. And it was the very first time that I saw that what I was in love with was the energy of the dog. It wasn't the dog. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that helped me so much in dealing with my mom like you know people might get upset that I'm comparing dogs with uh my mom but I my animals are like very important to me and my mom was very important to me and and I think that I learned from my dog and like she was taking care of the dog you yeah know? and when my dog passed we saw a decline in her and so we got her, her, this dog, <laughs> and she started taking care of her, but it's still, the decline was like, it was kind of like done. Yeah. yeah. And when she first started having a hard time with, you know, when she first started saying the wrong words, you know, like she would say things like, oh, such a, such a beautiful cat, you know? My father would get super upset and he'd be like, it's not a cat. It's a dog. You know, it's a dog. And he would give her crap, you know, and then she'd get all flustered and she'd just clam up. Right. And I learned to just let her be her. Mm -hmm. You know, um, one of the things that was important to me to include in my book is a list of what are things, what is normal about in aging and, you know, end of life. And just because of exa exactly what you're describing is we think something's wrong. It's like, what you, what's wrong with you? Why don't you know that that's a dog and not a cat? Well, it is normal for us to have memory lapse. There's all kinds of things that are perfectly normal. But because we live like this in relationship to death, we don't, we have no idea what's normal. And, and our fear takes over. And when you said earlier that we didn't talk about death in our family, neither did we, nobody does. 
that's one of the problems is that we act as, you know, we go like this towards death. I mean, it's, it's like, can you imagine if you were going on, you knew you were going to go on a big trip. Can you imagine not packing a suitcase, getting your passport, you know, getting ready to go? And yet we all know we're going to die, but we do nothing to prepare. You know, it's, it's very interesting when you think about it. And, and reason, let me just say this, the reason we don't prepare is we've been taught not to because we live in societies that fear death. Not all societies do. Yeah, well, you know, I, when, when we first started working together, I, I saw the power of your book. I really did. I, I get it. I totally, I'm, I was like, yay, yay, Judith, right? And then you said that you were going to do a workshop and we did the workshop together, right? So, so everybody listening, if you guys want to have a workshop, Judith is there, she can do that for you. And, um, but I was really surprised at how many people actually showed up for the workshop. Yeah. Like, I was like amazed that because, and what I, and what surprised me was that the people that were showing up were people that were facing the death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. And they just wanted to be able to talk about it. Exactly. And in fact, you know, I was so pleased with that because um, the host of the um, workshop, I asked how many people do you expect? And she said, oh, if we get 15 to 20, that'll be a good crowd. We got 81. Yeah. You know, and I was so gratified by that. Yeah. And in terms of talking about it, I do want to mention to anyone who's listening that um, if you've never been to a death cafe, I know this is probably the oddest thing in the world if you've never heard of it. But if you go to deathcafe.com, they have them all over the world. And it started out, I think, in 2012 or something. But there's they're all they're everywhere. And they caught on like wildfire because this is a place where you go. I mean, they're scheduled in different communities and people just sit with total strangers. And, you know, there's they have some some um, organization to the to how the thing the, it flows. But you talk about death and and people talk about, you know, my husband has stage four cancer or my cat died last week or, you know, I don't have a will because I'm afraid to write it. And people will tell these things to total strangers, but we don't talk to our families about it. Yeah. It's kind of odd, isn't it? It is very odd. So the death cafe is a great way to break the ice for yourself. Drag your family along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think it's really important to to just and like I'm looking at my aunts right now. I've got older aunts and you know, I'm just I'm I'm talking to them and I'm telling them, you know, like what do you want? If you if all of a sudden you can't do anything, like what do you want? tell your kids you have to tell your kids yes yeah. i knew my mom didn't want to go into a home but i couldn't take care of her anymore like it was like it was just not feasible like she yeah. she was now you know at, at one point she was rubbing herself on walls you know she was like just walking on walls and i was like what are you doing mom and i'm like she was just like wait a second wait a second and that was heartbreaking yeah right? but I kind of saw it was just like, okay, I can't do it anymore right now, you know? So, but I like, I think that it's important for everybody to just 
talked and, and get real with yourself. Yeah. And, and each other and the talking part, um, know that you live in a world where people don't know how to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So for you to be the one who takes the lead is a really loving, kind gesture for you to take with friends and family. And um, I just want to mention that there's really three things that we need to take care of ahead of time. And if we don't think about it and, and thoughtfully prepare ahead of time, we put a great burden on our loved ones because then they don't know what we want. And um, also to know that about one in three of us die before we're 65. You don't have to be old to die. People die when they're 28, when they're four, look at school shootings, all of these things, people die. And one of the greatest gifts you can get is to let your loved ones know, here's what I want to happen to me when the time comes. And those three things are your end of life medical care. So for example, your mom didn't want to go into a nursing home. And so you did everything you could to honor that. Okay. That was important to know. What if you didn't know that? Yeah. Like I, I know people who say, I do want to go in a nursing home. I don't want my loved ones to take me into the house. Okay. But each of us has that secret inside of us. Tell people what you want. Okay. And I don't know in Canada, but in the, in the States, we have what is called a healthcare proxy, which is a legal document where you appoint a person to speak on your behalf if you're unable to speak for yourself in, about medical care. And this is important, even if you're like a young person and you're having surgery, if you're unconscious, you can't make a decision. So if a decision needs to be made, you need some human being who you've given the authority to speak on your behalf about what you would want. Okay, that's super important. Second area is what to do with my stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. my stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like like that that pay that pay that print right up there behind me. You know, that's a treasure of mine, and I want to make sure that of where it goes and things like that. It doesn't have to be something of great financial your value. Pets, your huh? pets and your our pets. pets. It's like think through. Okay, if I were to die next week, what is it I would like to have happen to all this stuff? So that is a great gift to you know, even if you have written it down and haven't even legally processed it into a will or an estate yet, at least document including including a roadmap into your computer yeah <laughs> what what accounts do you have there you know things oh, like yeah. that and the third one quickly is um what to do with your body okay so for example i have signed a contract with uh it, there's a triage process that happens with dead bodies that are donated to the nearest medical hospital medical training hospital in one's area. And in my case, it's Albany, New York. So I have a, an, a contract so that if I die, my body goes to them for research. Okay. Because in the, in my personal beliefs, I'm, if I'm done, if I'm out of my body, if I'm gone, yeah. it does, I, this does not have value to me once I'm dead. For some people, they want, you know, mausoleums built and stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody's different. Some people want, you know, hundreds of people to come and cry and, and the loss of their, you know, of their death. For me, I couldn't care less. I really don't care. And 
you know, you might think, well, why don't you care? Well, that's my business. You know what I'm saying? But the point is you have to tell people. Yeah. You have to tell people that. And I learned, for example, that it matters to my brother to have a ritual after I die. So I'm making arrangements for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was important for my mom too to have a, a ritual. So I did that for her. I knew that her, she wanted her. And I knew that my aunts and uncle wanted it also. So mm-hmm. I think that I'm, I w- I'm very happy with, you know, how, how it all developed. But I think that what, uh, how I did that was because I spent so much time with her and I did ask her questions, you know? Right. Like I did ask her things. So, and I want, I want to go back to something else you said, and it was when you were referring to Boutte, your lovely dog behind you, and, um, and, and also about your mom, and there was a comment you made, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it's kind of like, I don't know how I did that, because I was really scared. I know that when I took on care of my mother, I was clueless what I was dealing with, especially the last six months, and um, it was really scary, but what drove the adrenaline in me was how much I loved her. In my case, I was really lucky because this was somebody I really loved. It's a lot harder when it's somebody you have a tough relationship with. And that's another reality. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a balancing act about what you can do. It's like when you reach the point where you knew your mom didn't want to go in a nursing home, but that you couldn't handle it yourself. You know, there is a balancing act about you are res- Yes, you're trying to do the best for her, but your job first is to be yourself. Yeah. You know, it's tricky business. It, it's not always an easy journey. No, no, yeah. I, I, I agree. It was the most difficult times. It was the yeah. most difficult times of my life, but it was also the most beautiful. Like yeah. the most enriching time. And, and I had a lot of fun. Like we would, we would, my, my mom was so, simple my mom was a simple lady she was like I was like mom do you want to go have ice cream she'd go she'd be like let's go and you know we'd get in the car I'd get her an ice cream and then I'd just drive with the music up yeah and she'd be like tapping her foot she was singing every single words of these songs I had her playlist and we had beautiful time like I'm telling you and I got the chills you know yeah 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 and, and wherever she'd go, she'd be like, ask my daughter, where's my daughter? <laughs> you know, she was just the cutest. Yeah. And she would, I would bring her to work. I was such a lucky, lucky person yeah. because I was able to bring her to work with me. You know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah I remember, um, you know, towards the end when my mother was more sedentary, um, she would get gastric distress, okay? And she'd be rubbing her abdomen. My mother was an RN, so she knew all of the anatomy stuff and she knew where to rub and all of this stuff. Yeah. You know? But sometimes it would be days or, you know, and posturing in different ways, trying to move gas or something that was in there. And I'll tell you when it would finally move, my mother would get one of those grins on her face and I mean, this was a very refined one. <laughs> and she would just let the gas rip. And this, she would burp like a like a four hundred pound truck driver <laughs> from her toes all the way up with this 
grin on her face as it released, you know? So there are moments like that that can be hysterically funny and intimate. Um, and, And it's, to me, it's such an opportunity to just demonstrate your love for another human being. Because so many people live lives that are so busy that we don't have time for each other. And when you really set aside and and give priority to caring for a loved one who's dying, you you know, it's a different, it's a time warp. And it's kind of just the two of you. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to do. I can't explain it. I mean, it's awful and it's wonderful at the same time. Yep. I agree. I agree. And then what, what would you do? Like, cause you, she lived with you for nine years, right? Yeah. Like yeah. She just lived with me for six months, the last six months of her life. She lived with me. So nine years, that's, that's a long time. And what would you do for like, for you time? For me time, yeah. that was that was the thing that was hardest for me because I fell into the trap that most caregivers fall into. And, and I'm glad you brought this up because anybody who we can help by saying this, I'm gonna be really help, ha- happy about, is you have to take care of yourself. You have to keep in mind that thing about that they say on the airplanes that you put on you know, your mask first before the child's. You yeah. take care of yourself before you take care of others. and. I didn't do that well because I fell into what a lot of caregivers do, which is, well, her need is more urgent than mine. And we keep, you know, kept, I kept putting myself in the back burner and I burnt out. I, it was really, really hard. I really, it it was rough on me, but um, you do have to take care of yourself and you have to really pay attention. Like there were times when I would see myself getting really um, nasty and short tempered with her. Though that's a sign that I needed time out, you know, and I wasn't taking it. Yeah, it, it, was, it was easier when she was in the hospital and I would go home at night. Yeah. Then I would get time alone. Yeah, because the s- snapping or, or, or that, it has nothing to do with them. It has no. to do with you, right? It's really like we have to get, we, we have this misunderstanding that if we're getting short tempered, it's because of the other person. It's not exactly. the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you have to really, um, in, in, when you take care of yourself, you give of your overflow instead of depleting yourself. And it's to become aware of that, that you're going to have that challenge if you're in a caregiving role and you are not being selfish to take care of yourself. You yeah. serve better and from a higher state of consciousness if you take care of yourself. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I was, I'm happy because I was already at a higher state of consciousness. And so therefore I, I called the city and I called the, the, the social worker. And I, I was lucky at one point I had, I had help five days a week. Yeah. You know, and they would come in. I had this lady that would come in and she was there. I had one lady that came three days a week and I had one other lady that would come two days a week and she loved them you know, in the beginning. And, and, you know, oh, I'm going to tell you the story. So <laughs> this girl would come and she was a young girl. I mean, I, I love people. So anybody who's listening here, that's taking care of the elderly. I love you. I really do. <laughs> um, this young girl, I'm telling you, she must've been 25, 26. 
she would come in and she would color with her. She would make her color. She would make her play games. And at one point she said to me, she says, can I go out with her? And I said, sure, you can go out with her. Mom, would you go out with her? She's like, yeah. She's like, give me my coat. I'm like, I'm leaving. And what she did is she brought her to a ceramics cafe. And it was near Christmas. My mom passed away on February 13th. I sold my house in December, December 26th. So we didn't celebrate because I was like basically packing. I know I had to move on December 26th. So we were basically all of December I was packing. So I was packing and taking care of mom. And on the 26th, we moved. Anyways, I couldn't take care of her, burnt out. Mom went to a home and that was it, right? And when she passed away, I said, you know, I said to everybody, because these girls were coming and I'm said, sorry, she's passed away. And they were like, oh man, I can't believe that. And she showed up at the funeral home. She came, she brought me a plate. Oh. She said, Jasmine, this was your Christmas gift. I wasn't sure if I should bring it to you, but your mother did this. And she showed me the plate and I have it. It's hung in my wall in the living room. Oh, how beautiful. And she says, she told me, I, she chose the colors. So she chose, it was, it's a nice green and purple. And she showed it to me and she said, in the back, it's written to my daughter, Jasmine. And yeah. she said, she told me to write this. So, yeah. she, so I have this beautiful, I mean, I was bawling. I'm telling you, and I get choked up, you know? Yeah. So, but before she left she did that she played she was like she was 79 you know she was still young now you know now I'm like oh man that's young you know yeah but it was a gorgeous gorgeous uh and you know and in in listening to you say say that it just reaffirms again how important it is for us to love each other and that if you you know i want to just say that for anyone who has a difficult relationship with an elderly parent or somebody see if you can't let go of the anger and the resentment and the judgment of who they are and you know maybe touch into that person's doing the best they can yeah. And they served me by bringing me into this world and I'll just let it, let that be their contribution to me or whatever. But if, it, you know, really to release ourselves as much as we can from any grudges and judgments to release and forgive as much as we can before anybody goes, it's a gift to ourselves because otherwise once they're gone, it's a lot harder to do when they're already gone. Yeah. You know, and and things like like your mother's plate, you know, I mean, a million you wouldn't sell that for a million bucks. You know, it's like that plate was your is your mother's love incarnate. You know, there it is. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. so sweet. So sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it is. It definitely is. It's like, guys, don't hold grudges that like I mean, that's just old old stuff that you're ruminating like you're you're chewing on just let yeah. it go you yeah. know that moment yeah. has passed <laughs> and yeah and the other thing is that what is left when we get rid of that is love yeah so it's like 
it, when you don't have a loving relationship with someone, it's because you ha you're having a relationship on a different of something else, which is maybe judgment and rejection and all of that. But if you remove the judgment and rejection, you have the opportunity to have a friendship and kindness. And um, it's up to us. It's up to us to do that. Well, that was gorgeous. See, I knew that we were going to have a good conversation. I know. Can I tell people how to reach me? Of course, you have to tell people how to reach Okay. Me. So if anyone is interested, contact me. At my, my website is judithjohnson.com. And I've got lots of blog posts there, for example, about how to deal with things, issues around end of life. Follow me on Instagram, Facebook, but the real way to get around to where am I and what do I do is through my web, my uh, yeah, website. website. Yeah. yeah, we put we put everything on the website. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna put everything in the description anyways. Also, so look at the description, and uh, yeah, if you again we said it earlier, if you're you if you'd like a workshop, please just reach out to either of us. I mean, I work with Judith, so. <laughs> I mean, we'll just, uh, we'll set you up and yeah. uh, we'll get that running for you. And um, so that's it. So thank you so much for accepting my invitation. I really wanted you to be here and have this important conversation that people don't usually want, right? Yeah. But I think it's important to have it. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Everybody, I'm going to say to you, dream it, dare it, do it, and live the life you want, and see you next week. Bye.